1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Let's pick up this evening right where Pastor left off last Wednesday evening. If you would, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and also Romans chapter 12. Ephesians 5 and Romans 12. Say this, say, Father God is my Father. Father Father. Say, I I am His child. child. Say, I'm a part of the family family. with the full rights, rights. with the full benefits, benefits. and the full privileges. privileges. Now, we, we say that, you might, even as you say it, and think, I'm not so sure about that. That's why we have to spend time in the Word and renew our minds to the Word of God. And that's why we have to be in the house of the Lord to hear the Word. Faith cometh by hearing. In the Gospel of John, Jesus repeatedly said that he came to do the Father's will. I would encourage you to read all the Gospels, but when you read the Gospel of John, you'll see that again and again and again, Jesus would say things like, whatever I do, I do because that's what my Father does. Or I'm doing what my Father would have me do. Whatever I say, it's what the Father would have me say. I'm saying what the Father says. It's the lay... It's the way he lived, it's the way he walked, it's the way he talked, and we are to imitate him. And we ought to be saying what the Father says, and we ought to be doing what the Father would have us do. When we confess the Lordship of Christ, you know, we just ended the series, Four Things We Must Confess, and that series is a great basic series on confession, and we dealt with who we are in Christ in that series. But when we confess the Lordship of Christ, We confess who we are, and we also confess our purpose, our divine purpose in the family of God. And what should our purpose be? Our purpose should be the will of Father God. It should be His will. And what should we be about every single day of our lives? We should be about the will of our Father. In John's Gospel, Jesus would tell those that would listen. He'd tell everyone, even the religious leaders, that He was about the Father's will. And John, more so than the other Gospels, has more of Jesus' conversations with the religious leaders, and he would point out to them, hey, you have a problem. I'm doing what the Father would have me do. I'm saying what the Father would have me say. Hey, you have a problem. I'm simply fulfilling and carrying out my Father's will. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 and verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So the will of God does not have to be mysterious in our lives. We can understand and know what the Father's will is for us and what His will is in every area of lives. We can come to know Father God and we can come to know His will in our everyday lives. And as we've learned, we we say frequently at Faith Christian Center, we know the will of God by His Word. If someone says, Austin, I'm not sure about the will of God in this area of my life or that area of my life, they're just telling me they don't know what the Word says. 
Austin, I'm not sure if I should marry a believer or marry an unbeliever. Well, that, that's someone who doesn't know what the Word says. You know, I, I'm not sure if I should go to work or not. Well, the, the Bible has a lot to say about that. God blesses the work of our hands. Amen. And so we know the will of Father God by His Word. And so if there's uncertainty in our lives, if it's a mystery to you, or certain things are a mystery, the answer is to get in the Word of God and to spend time in the Word. And in this series, Pastor has spent a lot of time in John 14 and John 15. And when we talk about faith and prayer, what we're dealing with is abiding in Him and His Word abiding in us. Not just when there's a need, not just when there is a difficulty, not just when there is an emergency, but living that way every day of our lives, abiding in Him. Him abiding in us, and His Word abiding in us, and our, us abiding in His Word on a daily basis. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. You know, this was true in Paul's day, so it's just as true today, perhaps more true. Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So you, you can't compartmentalize your relationship with the Lord. You know, there, there's this tendency out there, and people want to hear that they can just do whatever they want and be blessed by God. That doesn't work. If you want to live a life blessed by God, you've got to surrender the entirety of your life to Him and live His way in every area of life. That's offering your life unto Him as a living sacrifice which Paul says is holy and pleasing. Some translations say acceptable to God. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You know, we want to be informed, amen. We want to know what's going on, but, but there ought to be a limit to it. And so out there in the world, we, ha we have the pattern of the world, which changes on a daily basis. And it's more and more wicked on a daily basis, more and more crazy, on a daily basis. That, that's the pattern of the world. The Apostle Paul said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, we have to renew our minds more than once. Amen. And just because you renewed your mind in 2018 doesn't mean you're off the hook for 2021. And just because you did a great job renewing your mind during the Holy Week revival or during the, the week of increase, or you know, you're like, I was here every service for the Living Faith Crusade. I'm really proud of myself. Praise God. But you're not off the hook renewing your mind to the Word of God on a daily, ongoing basis. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, say then. I like to say it this way, only then, oh, then, then and only then. So again, th this is a life we live, offering our lives unto him as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing unto him, renewing our minds to his word on an ongoing basis. And, you know, pat yourself on the back. You did a good job last week, but we got to do that this week and next week and every day, as long as the Lord tarries, or as long as we're here, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Say this, say, I can know, I can know the, will of my father, the will of my Father 
I can know His will for my life and my circumstances and everything that's going on. We can know His will. And we can know His plan. We can know His purpose. We, we can know by His word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit what He would have us do. You've heard pastors say that wisdom is knowing what to do. The wisdom of God is knowing what God would do. And that's why fellowship is important and abiding in Him and His Word abiding in us. And uh, not just talking, not just praying, but listening and being quiet and listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And as we, we learned Sunday, I mentioned this at 11, instead of avoiding opportunities to be given instructions to take action, living in such a way where we're looking for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to direct us and to guide us. Because he knows where we are. He knows where we're trying to get to. He knows even greater where our Heavenly Father wants us to be. So he's trying to help us. But we've got to listen. We've got to cooperate. We have to be led. We have to be sheep, not uh, stubborn goats. Amen. Say, I can know the will of my Father. And if you'll have a right heart to see this from the Word of God, there is more joy in anything that is godly or righteous than anything that is in this world. The, the joys of this world, they are fleeting, they are temporary, they are passing away, and you can think it's joyful one moment and then realize it's a horror movie the next. That, that's this world, but it is not like that with God and the kingdom of God and His will. There is more joy in His will than in anything contrary to His will. And what did the Apostle Paul say about the will of God in Romans 12 and verse 2? He called it his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So say, the will of my Father is good. Say, the will of my Father is pleasing. And if I live it out, my life will be pleasing to him. Now, what's going to result in greater blessing? What's going to result in greater reward? What's going to result in greater commendation? So his will, it is good, it is pleasing, it is, it is perfect. And I know there are times in life we all have our own bright ideas, but if we're honest, that typically doesn't go so well. Better to ask the Lord what to do. And better first to go by what the Word says. And like I mentioned, the young people going to check out a particular university, if there's not a thus say it the Lord, better than in prayer to say, Lord, what would you have me do? And to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to follow the, the peace of God. To ask. And sometimes we don't ask because we know what the Lord's going to say. No. Amen. We have that conversation privately too sometimes. Well, I wonder why we don't get asked about this or I wonder why we don't get asked about that. My, my father will say things like, well, you know, why don't they, they bring them by? This guy, this guy out, introduce them to me. Dad, they know what you're going to say. And so that's why uh, they, they don't ask. And so if, if there's an area of your life or there's something in your life where that's what you've been doing, to walk in his will, you'll be better off. Because as Paul said, his will is good, it is pleasing, it is perfect. And you'll have better results if you'll go with His will, not your will. 
And we ought to bring our will into alignment with his will. And over time, we ought to walk so closely with him and abide so much in him and his word and him and his word abide in us that our will is in fact not our will, but it has become his will. And that's the life that Jesus lived. You know, Paul talks about crucifying the flesh. When our will is contrary to the word of God, that needs to be crucified. That needs to be put to death. When our will is sinful or displeasing to God, that needs to be crucified and that needs to be put to death. And our will over time, as we walk with the Lord, it ought to become his will. It is good, it is pleasing, it is perfect. And there is joy. Because of that, there's joy. And there's gladness in his will and in living his way, not our way. We, we frequently rehearse Isaiah 1, verses 19 and 20, if you're willing and obedient. And when the, you go to the New Testament, look at what the New Testament says about the last days and the attitudes of people in the last days. One of the things that's mentioned is rebellion and a spirit of rebellion and people being lovers of themselves. So a big factor is us becoming willing and us becoming willing to walk in his will. If you are willing and obedient, which is everybody's favorite word, amen. Now, I know it's a favorite word here at Faith Christian Center. I'm not sure about everywhere else. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you resist, see, why don't people experience God's best? Why don't people change levels? Why don't people walk in his good, pleasing, and perfect will? Well, they're, they're resisting. And I'm reminded of the book of Acts. Stephen said to the religious council, you're like your father's. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit. And that, that angered them so much, they put him to death. And Saul, who became Paul, he looked on while Stephen was stoned to death. He said to them, you are like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. But if you resist and rebel, see, when we look out there in the world, what's the pattern of the world? People doing their own thing. What's the pattern of the world? The world, rebellion. Rebellion everywhere we look. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. So the word is clear on this. For willing and obedient, we'll eat the best. But if we resist, we rebel, we will be devoured. And yet it's amazing. People want to resist and they want to rebel against God. People want to resist and rebel against the word of God. People want to resist and rebel against living life God's way. Isaiah 55, verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's why prayer is fellowship. We have to be quiet and hear his thoughts. It is not a one-way conversation. We have to get quiet and hear his thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So again, we might have some idea. His ways are higher. Amen. And then your, your idea, there might not be anything wrong with it. It might not be contrary to the word of God, but it may not be his perfect will for your life. Maybe God has better for you. 
See, it's interesting to think about people and that they never fulfill God's purpose. They never walk in all that God has for them, not because they're disobedient, not because they're sinful or ungodly, but because they never asked him what his will is. And they're, they're doing their thing, but they never said, Lord, what would you have me do? What is your will? What is your purpose? What is your calling for my life? And again, sometimes, sometimes we don't ask because we're, we're concerned about what the Lord might say. So don't just picture in your mind, you know, that the issue is obedience, that the issue is righteousness, because sometimes we're doing things and they're not necessarily ungodly or unrighteous, but we're still not walking in his perfect will. And so we want to be walking in his perfect will for our lives, his best. So we're not limited in any way. We're not held back in any way. You know, it's something I saw when I was at seminary. Sometimes there would be people and it was obvious that at a time in life when they were young, the Lord called them, but they did something else. And then decades later, they're trying to make it right. And is God gracious and is God merciful and is God forgiving? Yes, but it makes you wonder what could have been. And so no matter what age you are tonight, we all have to abide in him and his word abide in us and spend time in his word and fellowship with him and pray and, and be led by the Holy Spirit so that in each of our lives we're walking in his perfect will, his best. And he wants us to have his best. In your life, he wants you to have his best. Amen. And in your life, he wants you to have his best Amen. for you in your life and in your circumstances. Amen. We just have to uh, cooperate. We just have to be willing. We just have to be obedient. We just have to be led. And if we will, there's great joy in that. There's great gladness in that. There's great blessing in that. His will has success in it, and his will has abundance in it. But outside of his will, there is confusion. Outside of his will, there is depression. Outside of his will, there is unhappiness. Outside of his will, there is misery. Outside of his will, there is lack. There's need and loss upon loss, one loss after another. So we have to know his will, and we have to walk in it. Now let's deal with the part of his will that sometimes we overlook, but it's fundamental, it's key. His will is love, and his perfect will is love. Tell your neighbor, say love. love. But again, not, not the world's kind of love, not the world's pattern. We're talking about the God kind of love, agape love. Charles Finney defined it this way, to will and to act toward the highest good of the other, which gets us back to crucifying your flesh, crucifying sinful desires, crucifying me, 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 and what I want to do, and saying, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what does your word say I ought to do? And Lord, in my life, in my circumstance, my home, my family, my occupation, what I do, what would you have me do? His will is love. And Jesus was our ultimate example. Jesus lived a life of love, and Jesus walked in love. 
1 John 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So when we deal with walking in love, we deal with aiming for perfection. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. We might say, that's a, that's a mighty tall order. That's a high standard. How can we even rise to the occasion? Well, we have the greater one living on the inside of us. So we can aim for perfection. We can live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. And we can, you might say, I don't know if I can. We can walk in love. We can walk in the God kind of love. And that, like anything, it is a daily discipline. Look down in 1 John 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another. And of course, the word for love here is agape, which is the God kind of love. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You might say, Austin, I thought we were going to deal with prayer. Love is a key ingredient of your prayer life working. Love is a key ingredient of your prayers being heard and prayers being answered. I didn't bring the reference, but in the New Testament, it deals with that if a husband does not treat his wife properly, it will hinder his prayers. You mean, Austin, I, I could pray for four hours, but if, if I'm not treating my wife properly, I'm probably wasting my time? Yes! You know, we, we often uh, think it's some big, advanced, deep, mysterious thing hindering our progress. And that, that's part of why people run to this conference and that conference, or, you know, they think let the laying on of hands going to fix their problem. Uh, your problem could be very simple. The Bible says the little foxes spoil the vine. And what's a little fox can become a major problem, and a simple thing like walking in love. When Jesus taught the prayer of faith in Mark 11. He then dealt with the issue of forgiveness and forgiving others and not having unforgiveness in your life, in your heart, because unforgiveness can hinder your prayer life, which goes back to walking in love. 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So he's in us, but we have a part to play, and part of our part to play is being a living sacrifice that is wholly acceptable and pleasing unto him, and what kind of living sacrifice is that? Somebody who walks in love, somebody who walks like Jesus, somebody who seeks to walk in the God kind of love. He is love. 1 John 4 and verse 16, same chapter, verse 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God and Him. So when it comes to the topic of walking in love, I, I would say that we, we can all do a better job walking in love. Uh, that's pretty weak. I would say that when it comes to the topic of walking in love, we can all do a better job of walking in love. Amen. Now, if you would say, Austin, I have mastered walking in love at all times and all things on all occasions, uh, we need to have an altar call at the end of the service. So you can repent 
and get saved. Because the reality is, even if on Tuesday we do a great job walking in love, Wednesday is coming. And I like what Joel Osteen says. Some people are like sandpaper. And uh, it's a greater challenge to walk in love with those people. And it can refine you if you handle it properly and walk in love. Amen. Amen. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. He is love. Verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so we will have confidence on the day of judgment. See, there is coming a day, Jesus said, when we will give an account for our words, when we will give an account for our deeds. See, I've never understood, how, how can people lead God's people to believe it doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we say, doesn't matter how we live, when Jesus was clear, the New Testament is clear, there's coming a day when we will give an account even for every careless word that has been spoken. So we've got to live in such a way that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. What way is that? It is the way of love. Because in this world, we are like him. Well, that's, that's the measure we're going to be judged by. The extent to which in this world we are like him. Like who? Jesus. To what extent did we live like him? and talk like him, and love like him. So I don't know about you, but that gives me plenty to work on. Amen. Amen. Gives me a lot of homework to work on. There is no fear in love. Now, this is interesting. And because in the last year and a half, we've seen fear, 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 fear. But what does the Bible say? There is no fear in love. So are we walking in love if we're also walking in fear? And the answer is... No. See, this is nothing compared to what people have faced in history. What about a pastor's duties and responsibilities during the Black Plague? To be there for his congregation, to pray with his congregation to minister to those sick and dying. And yet, in 2021, young men my age can't have church. So they're walking by fear, but the Bible also shows us because they're walking by fear, there's something missing in their lives and in their walk, and that is the love of God. Because if they loved God and loved His Word and loved the people of God, they would put certain things ahead of themselves. Because at the end of the day, it's about love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. And what's perfect love? It's the God kind of love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So we don't always feel like loving. We don't always feel like being kind or gracious or compassionate. When someone tells you they need to have a conversation, we don't always feel like having a conversation. Now, love does not mean that we let people abuse us or use us or take advantage of us. But if someone says they need to talk and the Holy Spirit says talk, you got to talk and operate by love. Because verse 19, we love because he first loved us. 
If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So it's not about how we feel. It's not about whether or not we want to. It's not about whether or not we feel like it. It is about doing what our heavenly father would have us do. And he is love. And he lives in us. And so we ought to walk in love. And we ought to let him love in us and through us. He is love. And so we are to love. And we are to walk in love. Philippians 2 and verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So that's why we talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. And you're out and about. And the Holy Spirit moves on your heart to do this or to be a blessing. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes maybe you've witnessed to someone, you've talked to someone, and you feel like it's rocky, thorny, fallow soil. Pray this way. Say, Lord, I pray that you would bring people across their path that they would listen to and that you would give them the right words to speak and the words to say by the Holy Spirit. See, why do we do that? Why do we pray that way? Because we, we love. There's more going on than just me or you, or us, or our concerns. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So as a new creation, you have the love of God in you. You have his nature in you. And part of his nature is his love nature. You have his love nature in you. And you might say, Austin, I don't feel like it. You have got to let God love in you and him love others through you. You have God himself in you, and he is love, and we are his children. So in our lives, we ought to be full of the love of God, and we should live this life with the agape love of God, and that ought to be expressed through us in everything that we do. And if it's not love, it's not of God. And so again, as Paul said, we've got to crucify the flesh and the sinful nature and its desires, and we have to also crucify our will when it is contrary to the word of God and contrary to his perfect will in our lives. Because again, if it's not love, it's not of God. We've learned previously that love is the motivator. It should be the motive by which we do everything. The agape love of God should be the motive by which we, we operate. You know, just when Kenneth Hagin Jr. was here, whether in the green room at some point, you know, he, he was talking about the length of services. I remember being somewhere with Aaron once in long service. And again, if the Lord moves, if the Spirit of God moves, that is one thing. But we, we, Austin doesn't just do long services to hear Austin speak ad nauseum. Or Pastor, or Pastor Sue, or any of us. And so at some point at lunch or in the green room, Kenneth Hagin Jr. out of nowhere said, the reason we have services this length is because we love the people. And they have families, and they have children, and they have jobs. They have to make a living. But he, he said it's because we love the people. See, it's not about the minister. It's about the sheep. And why does the minister do certain things? Because he loves the sheep. Why does the minister not do certain things? Because he loves the sheep. And you look at where Paul wrote that, 
You read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he was dealing with spiritual gifts, but it's in that context he writes 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Love is the motivator. So in church, how we do things, why we do things, when we do things, love has to be the motivator. And even when the spiritual gifts are used or exercised, love has to be the motivator. Otherwise, the sheep get abused and taken advantage of. Or it's spirits, but it is not the Holy Spirit. So the agape love of God should motivate us in everything that we do, whether it's in church, whether it's in the world, whether it's at home, whether it's at work. But what is our problem or our challenge or our difficulty we have not confessed who we are in him. And even if we're, we're confessing who we are in him, we're hesitant to walk like it and talk like it, act like it, and think like it. And that's why we've got to go back to Romans 12 and verse 2, renewing our minds to who we are in Christ and who he is in us and through us. In the Gospels, Jesus continually confessed and said who he was. He continually confessed what he was, and what he was doing, and what he could do. He knew who he was with absolute confidence, no hesitation. And in the modern church, there are many believers, and they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what belongs to them. And that is so sad. And God has called us to greater. He has called us to something better, which is his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're to walk as Jesus walked. We're to talk as Jesus talked. We're to love as Jesus loved. We're to live as he lived. And as part of that, we are to live this life in fellowship with Father God, just like Jesus did, abiding in him and him abiding in us and us abiding in his word and his word abiding in us. And our mind, it rebels at this. And Satan's always right there. He's always talking. He's always whispering. Yes, it is like the, the old cartoons. I don't know about the new ones. You know, the little, little devil on the shoulder. He, he's always right there to remind us of our shortcomings or what we've done, done wrong or what we've messed up or the times in our life when we asked the Lord what to do and then we did our own thing. Well, it's under the blood of Jesus. It's forgiven. It's been cast away from your life. So you just got to get past it, amen, and know who you are, and confess who you are, and live like who you are, and not let that whispering hinder you. And that's why Paul said we're to take captive every thought to make it obedient unto Christ. So even though our mind rebels at this, and even though Satan reminds us of our shortcomings, none of that changes who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ and what we can do in Christ, and what he wants to do through us. All that he did, he did for us. So we could be the sons and daughters of God. And so we could live this life and walk this earth as the sons and daughters of God. That's what John writes in 1 John 3 and verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And we're, we're to not just be like him on that day, we're, we're to be practicing and imitating him and growing into closer 
and closer fellowship with him. So that, that way, on that day, we're not totally surprised. One of the early church fathers, Irenaeus, second century, he was mentored by Polycarp, who was mentored by the Apostle John. So he was third generation. But there was a direct line between John to Polycarp to Irenaeus. And Irenaeus believed that is what the Christian life is. That is, we abide in him and he abides in us and we abide in his word and his word abides in us. That over time, over the course of your life, that we are to become more and more like Christ. And we are to be, enter into closer and closer and closer fellowship with Christ. That way it's not a surprise when we cross over. But he believed that was the point of the Christian life, to grow into closer and closer fellowship and communion with Father God, to be more and more like Christ. Well, that, that gives me plenty of homework to work on. Amen. Amen. That gives us all plenty of homework to work on. You may not realize it. You may not believe it. But we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. The Bible says the same Spirit that indwelt him indwells us. So we got to believe it. We got to say it. We got to act like it. We got to talk like it. We have the same words that he spoke. We have his word. In the Gospels, we have the words that he spoke. So we, we can say what he said. We can say what he would say. Paul's epistles tell us who we are in Christ and what we have. They give us a divine revelation of who we are in Christ, what we have and what we can do. So we ought to speak those words. And when we do, we speak the words of God. When we speak his word, we represent him here on planet Earth. So our pattern should be the pattern of Jesus Christ, should not be the world's pattern. Our pattern, our message should be his word, his message, not whatever is the latest message that's been passed down from Washington, D.C., or the CDC in Atlanta, or wherever. Our word, our message should be his word. And we ought to fellowship with Father God just as Jesus did. So an amazing prayer life, an amazing life of fellowship is available to every child of God, to every believer. You just have to enter into it. And we can talk about it. Just have to enter into it. And that's why we encourage you to have time set aside for fellowship. And I know people have different work schedules. I know there are people that work day shifts. I know there are people in the church that work night shifts. You know, if you're an early riser, praise the Lord. You know, Dad Hagen would always talk about praying in bed. Uh, you know, I'm not that spiritual. There's no way I could pray in bed, whether in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. It wouldn't matter what time of day. I'll be, I'll be out. We're on our fifth baby, and I still do not hear her at night. I sleep the sleep of the righteous. So people have different schedules. So you've got to, in your life, in your schedule, set aside time for fellowship. Now, one reason we, and biblically, we talk about starting the day with prayer. That's before you do what you're going to do that day. That's before you make the decisions that you're going to make that day. 
But again, if you work a different shift and it's later in the day, well, you're praying in the morning in Australia time or whatever it is. But you've got to carve out time for fellowship, for prayer. You've got to carve out time to spend in the Word of God. And, you know, you might hear all kinds of things. The key is just to get started. And so if you, don't, you haven't been doing this at all, start with 10 minutes and do that consistently for a week or two weeks and a couple of weeks. Then double it to 20 minutes and go from there. And there's no point setting some unrealistic goal, doing it for a day or two, and then going back to your old pattern. And there, there are different things that people say. I've heard people say that it takes 21 days to establish or break to break an old habit, to establish a new habit. So the key is consistency. So you got to carve out the time and be consistent, and then over time, increase that time. I'm all, I'm all for devotionals. I'm all for the, the daily Facebook devotional. None of those things are harmful, but it doesn't substitute spending time in the Word of God. And that's why, for instance, the church has the daily Bible reading, now, if you haven't done it all year and you're going to try and get it done before December, you have got a lot of homework ahead of you. But the key is to get started and to be faithful and to be consistent. It's supposed to be a life of fellowship. And it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful. It'll, it'll change your life. And if you'll spend time abiding in him and him abiding in you and abiding in his word and his word abiding in you, you'll come to know his will for your, your life. You'll make better decisions. You'll do a better job walking in love and letting Father God love others through you. And you'll make decisions by the Spirit of God, not by the flesh, not by the mind. And you'll, you'll know what His good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a joyful thing. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.